coming to you live from a luxury conveyex on Vandor. Welcome to Growing Up Skywalker. My name is Anna. And I'm Sam. And we are in Sam's dad's caboose cabin. Yeah. In the wilderness of Colorado. Of Vandor. Of Vandor. Sorry. <laughs> I kind of I went off brand there for a second. We're on Vandor. We're it's, on Vandor. There's snow. We are snowshoeing. We have to wear goggles. It, it is, is cold. It is delightful. And Zero the Hut is not here. We are doing the Zero the Hut arc today. Yes. We are finally finishing season one of The Clone Wars. Oh, finally. It took us six months. <laughs> I'm very excited to be done. We are overviewing The Clone Wars Season 3, Episodes 8 and 9, and Season 1, Episode 22. Which is right in the middle in between those two. Yes. Which is crazy. Okay, so we start with evil plans. Uh, The plot is that Jabba has assigned Cad Bane to a mission, a heinous mission, which we are going to see sprawling across the next three episodes. Mm -hmm. So we start on Coruscant. On Padme's beautiful Art Deco Tower. It is party planning hell. It is hashtag relatable. There are those little uh, duper droids who are just all butt and like knee high. Who are like, oh no, oh yes, okay. They're running around everywhere wildly. Everyone's doing a terrible job. Hashtag relatable. Padme's (laughs) planning a really important diplomatic party while Anakin does nothing. Uh, Anakin, like, tries to calm her down, but he's like a real... No, this is Anakin being a terrible husband, and I have receipts. Um, Mm -hmm. The important part is that Padme is trying to impress Senator Aang. With two A's. With two A's, like the (laughs) Avatar, who is going to cast the deciding vote on a military oversight committee. I think that's going to come into play later. That's all we need to know about party planning. Some real fancy stuff. And this is a C-3PO R2-D2 episode. This is our very first C-3PO episode, I think. Oh, there was a C-3PO uh, Jar Jar episode back during the new gun. I mean, that was hardly that. Jar Jar was the star and the Quasima. The (laughs) the C-3PO R2-D2 like together is is very fun. It's super fun. Anakin sends them out on a mission, mostly because they're being unhelpful, but also because Senator Aang's favorite dessert is a Jogan fruit cheesecake. Yeah. Question mark. (laughs) (laughs) They go to the market. They get highway robbed out of way too much money for four Jogan fruit. Yeah. That is right where Cad Bane and Toto 360 Mm -hmm. are there to snatch them. So apparently Toto 360 was rebuilt, and I believe he was rebuilt actually by Anakin. Off screen. Yes, off screen. So Toto swoops in. He bribes them with droid makeovers. He's like, would you guys like to be the real you who's the inside of you? How would you like a carbon debuffing service? And 3PO is like, I don't know. And R2 is like, I was promised a spa day and I will be having my spa day. (laughs) He's like, you don't know, C-3PO. You have no idea the battles I've been in Oh my God, I know. So he toodles off. Toto kicks 3PO into a speeder Mm -hmm. and... There's a hilarious back and forth. R2 is getting like a mani-pedi facial and 3PO is being tortured. But it turns out there's nothing in C-3PO's brain. We have canonical proof. 3PO is dumb. He he has... No useful information whatsoever. There is nothing Other in than that. he's like, oh, but R2 knows that kind of thing. And they're like, yeah, yes. Scrobot droid. So Cad Bane is sitting there with his super evil voice and his super evil hat and a bunch of IG unit robots just torturing C-3PO. 
For nothing. Because then they're like, well, now we have to go kidnap R2. R2 gives himself up for 3PO. It is friendship. It is bravery. Mm. It is valor. It's actually a terrible decision. Because they're talking about how much, how they're going to, you know. They're going to take C3PO apart piece by piece. Yeah. So they hook 3PO up to the analyst machine. R2 up to it. They, yeah, they hook R2 up. And then they, like, take apart his brain and figure out the plans. Okay, Bane gets exactly what he needs. It's the mm-hmm. architectural blueprints to the Senate building. Mm-hmm. He wipes their memories. He flings them back on the streets of Coruscant. Yeah. And weirdly enough, they find their Jogan fruit exactly where it rolled away on the street. And so they're like, well, I guess we just blanked out for a minute. And, uh, well, let's <laughs> go back to the party. And deliver it just in time. They deliver just in time. Senator Aang gets his cake. The party is a success. Bane's plan is also a success. He delivers his little USB stick mm-hmm. with the plans to Jabba the Hutt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he goes to Jabba's palace. And Jabba's like, I have more questions for you. Yeah, he gets a new assignment. It's mm-hmm. springing Zero the Hutt from prison. Right. Which is fun. And we also get a cool look at how Jabba the Hutt rules, Mm -hmm. which is with the input of the five mob mafia gangster families. are so goofy looking. Like one of them has a cigar. One of them has a Marlon Brando uh, in The Godfather. Like I I looked this up. A little toupee. It's a creature called a toupe. Yes, yes, yes. That is amazing. And his name is actually Marlo the Hutt. Oh my gosh, yeah. incredible. So they really uh yes. on thick. But that's how we end up in the middle of the season one finale hostage crisis. Yes, which is a real jarring shift in terms of quality. It really is. Mm-hmm. So we uh, show up and... The intro is Cad Bane is seizing members of the Senate. He's off on some terrible mission. So he straight up drives up to the Senate building... The guards are like, you are not allowed to be here. Hands on your head. And then Aura Singh, who was also off screen, sprung out of prison, starts shooting guards. Everyone piles out of the car. The uh, commando droids fit themselves into Senate guard things and they start marching in. And then we pan up from the landing pad to... More of Anakin being the worst husband ever. Oh my God. Okay. He is the most incredibly opaque, like... Over the top, manipulative. Oh, it is outrageous! It's really bad. He is shaming Padme for working. She's like, "Could you please?" This is literally my office. He's literally supposed to be on a meditation retreat, and he's like, "Yo, what if we skive off and go like make out on the streets of some faraway city?" And she's like, "Anakin, I'm trying to save the world." She's like, "I have to file all these reports to prevent the enhanced privacy invasion bill from coming in." And he's like, what if I give you my lightsaber to show that you are, in fact, the inheritor of my masculinity? Oh, it gives me shivers up and down my spine. We will have to talk about it. Then C-3PO and Organa, Bail Organa let themselves in. Anakin hides in the closet with all of his clothes. Because they're smooching. Mm-hmm. And they're, yeah, this first, like, they, they are making out. And uh, Padme, Padme has to shove Anakin's lightsaber up her sleeve because yes. he, like yanked it like he like threw it at her and so they go downstairs just in time for cad bane to show up 
and shoot the place up and take them all hostage. Oh, my goodness. They circle up the senators in the middle of the lobby of the Senate Mm -hmm. building. They turn off the power. Chuchi is there. My girl, Rio Chuchi, is there. And there's a weird uh, fishy hacker dude who's, like, turning off the power and stuff. Yeah. So Anakin starts getting up to trouble, and he they see him. Yes. So Cad Bane is like, what's a pretty lady like you doing as a senator and so young, too? And she looks up past his shoulder, and, and there's Anakin. Anakin. And Cad Bane shoots, like, three times, almost hits him, and is like... Is that Skywalker after him? So they send a Weequay and an IG unit. Mm-hmm. Anakin manages to sneak into someone's office and hook up to like an outside line. He dials 99 and gets lucky. He, he actually <laughs> he rips it apart and plugs in his wrist communicator. Oh, cool. Yeah. And he calls Palpatine. And Palpatine's like, I was wondering why the power was shut off. So Palpatine is now in the loop, but he also knows he has a man on the inside. So Anakin decides to go all diehard on them. He is being stalked by an IG unit in the weak way. He mind tricks them to split up. He clobbers the IG unit to pieces with its own rifle. Which is cool, but then they sick Aura Sing on him. Well, because the weak way is like, wait a minute, no lightsaber marks. Mm-hmm. He doesn't have a lightsaber. Mm-hmm. So Anakin is trying to get into where the power is, where the fishy guy is. The fishy guy opens the door just in time for Aura Sing to shoot him in there. The fishy guy tasers him. They throw Anakin in cuffs in with the rest of the senators, and Cad Bane surrounds them all with tripwire laser bombs. And meanwhile, he called Palpatine and forced mm-hmm. Palpatine to record a pardon for Zero the Hut. And so Mas- uh, uh, Ormfrita has to take a uh, you know double-wide hover trailer over there, mm-hmm. which is convenient because that is what Zero the Hut is going to be being carried in as well. Yes, so and they release him in all his glory... And they ride off into the sunset. However, Zero's pissed. So he is like, isn't there something you can do? And Cad Bane says, like this, he blows up the uh, the tripwires and it all explodes. However, it's at that exact moment that Anakin wakes up from being tased in Chuchi's lap of all places. Oh. And Padme gives him his lightsaber and he cuts a hole in the floor and they all fall an entire story and are fine, which is not how gravity works. It's not. (laughs) And Cad Bane and the whole crew and Zero the Hut, that getaway was clean as a whistle. They are off into the sunset. So. That's where we pick up on the final episode of this arc, Hunt for Zero. Which has my very, very favorite Jedi ever. Um, It has my very favorite fortune cookie ever. Love comes in all shapes and sizes. I have L-O-L-O-L-O-L-O-L-O-L-O-L-O-L-O-L-O-L-O-L-O-L-O-L-O-L-O-L-O-L-O-L-O-L-O-L-O-L-O-L-O-L-O-L-O-L-O-L-O-
I, I am aware of your work. Anyway, I'm driving and Kenobi's like, ugh. It's a, it's a very that. fun dynamic. Yes, they're great. We open on the world of Nalhata, which is noxious and swampy and yellow. It is, if you imagine noxious, swampy, yellow, space Louisiana. Yes, 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 exactly. Oh, I'm so glad you brought that up. <laughs> Zero is monologuing at the five mob boss families. Mm -hmm. He's like, I'm sure my convenient escape from prison has nothing to do with the hollow diary that I have detailing all of your crimes. Mm -hmm. Ah, And then there's a lingering shot of him chugging a glass of wine and throwing it in the corner. This Mm -hmm. is important. We get a sexy cabaret show. Which introduces us to a very important character. Sai Snoodles. Sai Snoodles, who is in love with Zero the Hutt, maybe. Real quick for listeners at home, if you've seen Return of the Jedi, and I think it might just be the original cut, they might have redone it. But if you watched Return of the Jedi before 1999 or whatever, and it's this yellow creature that looks like a grape with... Two toothpicks stuck out for legs, two toothpicks stuck out for arms, and, and one a very long tentacle with red lips on the with, end. According to George Lucas, big juicy Mick Jagger lips. Whoa. That is Size Noodles. That is Size Noodles herself. She's a really sly operator. Mm-hmm. So she has history with Zero the Hut. And she finds out that he's in prison and Mm -hmm. goes off to confess that he broke her heart, but she's ready and willing to take him back. Mm -hmm. And she just like girl bosses her way in there. She's like, there's two Gamorrean guards. And she's like, Gardula wants to know which one of you is stronger. So they're arm wrestling and she just picks up her little skirts and like skirts around them. And then there's a third one. And she's like, oh no, they're fighting. Stop them. And then like three Gamorreans down. It is deeply impressive. Mm -hmm. I'm impressed. So by the time Kenobi and Quinlan arrive, Mm -hmm. Quinlan picks up Zero's wine glass he has a really cool force, like, back premonition of, of Zero standing there. Yes. So his power is he can touch something and get a force sense of who touched that thing wow. and what was going on. In fact, it's explored really cool in the video game Jedi Fallen Order. But, Ooh. Uh, Yes, that is his specific force power, which is why you send him on these cool tracking missions. He's very good at it. Mm-hmm. But by the time they get to zero cell, Sai has already broken him out of prison. Mm-hmm. They track him through the swamps of Nalhada. Side quest, Kenobi literally slays a dragon. I just want to put it out there. Side quest, Cad Bane is there. S- yes, Cad Bane and Toto are also tracking and zero. He has his best line. He's. Oh, give it, give it to me. So the, all the huts show, or Gardula the Hutt shows up and Zero has left. And all the huts are like yelling. And Cad Bane's like, I know, I'm tired of getting paid for the same job too. But that doesn't mean I'm going to do it for free. Because he wants to track Zero again. So he runs off and he is behind Kenobi and Quinlan. And then Zero goes to visit his mother, Mama, Mama the, the Hut. This is the first time his girlfriend is meeting his mom, probably. This is a very momentous occasion for them. It's a mildly toxic relationship. She is a very large lady. Mm-hmm. She apparently doesn't smell very good. She's a lot. She's a hut. She's a hut. She's a she is a absolutely enormous hut. She is exceptionally obese for a hut, and 
She's 25 feet tall. She's really big. She looks like Karina the Great's eyes. Well, yeah. maybe a little smaller. So Zero's there just long enough to trade his swamp speeder for her starship. And I'd like to point out that a swamp speeder is a airboat with magical space jet engines. It's very cool. I like yeah, it. Yeah, but it's an airboat. <laughs> So Zero is headed to Teth yes. because he needs to go pick up the hollow diary. Mm -hmm. They get to his dad's mummified body on Teth. It just looks it looks just like Teth in the Clone Wars movie. Sai mm -hmm. Snoodles picks up the hollow diary and whips out a blaster and points it straight at Zero. Mm -hmm. And she says, next time you'll think twice about breaking somebody's heart. Oh, wait, there won't. Be a next time. Bam, 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 bam. She kills her lover in cold blood. Zero the Hut is dead. It is a devastating about face. I gasped. Yes. It was very dramatic. So Cad Bane arrives, looks over Zero's body, and is like, I hate when someone does my job for me. I thought that was his best line. That was really great. And then he slinks away into the shadows because he sees the Jedi arrive right by. And then we him. get an extremely exciting aerial battle on the cliffs of Teth. It is Jedi versus Bane. Cad Bane pulls out all the stops and he has a tough time with two Jedi, but... He does great. He's got Mandalorian gear. He's got rocket boots. He's mm -hmm. got a flamethrower. Voss and Kenobi are force jumping across the cliffs. Mm -hmm. Obi-Wan manages to shoot the blaster out of Bane's hands like Western duel style. Mm -hmm. But it's not enough. Bane fends off two full-grown Jedi Knights and swoops off with Toto. He doesn't even lose his fedora. Well, he does, but Toto picks it up. That was really nice of him. It is. Then, service droid. Uh, yeah, I know. Top-notch service. Mm -hmm. And then we close on Sai delivering the diary back to the huts. Back to Jabba. Back to Jabba. Mm -hmm. And she says, nobody would suspect such a lovely creature as myself to do a bounty hunter's work. And uh, the mission is a total win for the huts. Yeah. Huts one, Jedi zero. For real. Although, you know, zero's dead, so. That's true. That's true. Yeah. A quarter point for the Jedi. So this arc was like a fever dream. What stuck out to you? And Cad Bane got paid like three times. Oh, so probably. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, there's a, a couple fun things that stuck out here. I love the little duper droids. Oh, yeah. The little, little butt droids that run around and they're they're like making the food. And then C-3PO is like trying to command them and they're just ignoring him. He's like, look at this sloppy work. You would feed this to a senator. <laughs> and I, okay. And then when they finally get the Jobin fruit delivered to them, they're like, yay, all of them together. That is that is very funny. I feel like they're my spirit animals. I just need one compliment and I'll run on that for a week. <laughs> Yay. Yay, we did a good job. The droid spa is oh extremely my God. funny. I just love that R2 emerges from the droid spa a completely different color than when he went in. <laughs> they're filthy. like, can we interest you in this like pit full of grease and, he's and like sign me up he's like sign me up i've had such a hard decade <laughs> <been in> the, <laughs> for real for real the last time he got cleaned was by padme when she was queen you know? i know when she like rubbed a little bit off his chest plate to put yeah. a medal on him and i love that um despite the fact that anakin is the one who created and later stole c-3po and R2-D2 originally belonged to Padme and now is apparently seconded to the Jedi Order. Uh, and so 
Anakin is R2's droid and C-3PO is Well, yeah, because Padme droid. needs a protocol yeah. droid and Anakin needs a astromech. But, like, they're the unruly kids who are like, go babysit each other somewhere else. I know, I know, I know. I want to say we get a major insight into 3PO's backstory in Evil Plans. He was apparently a protocol droid for the chief negotiator of the Manicron system. Whatever that means. So I did some reading. Okay. And George Lucas wrote 3PO to be over 100 years old in Phantom Menace. But he was built by Anakin. Or was he like rebuilt? So baby Anakin didn't build him from scratch. He repurposed a junky old protocol droid that had already had previous assignments. Okay. Maybe that's why he's so janky. That makes sense. Isn't that interesting? I think that, okay, also, that saves a significant plot point of um, Rise of Skywalker. Oh, what's that? Listeners, if you haven't seen Rise of Skywalker yet, please... uh, Spoiler alert. Yeah, spoiler alert. We all, we all. So in that one, C-3PO is like, I have secret Sith language inside my brain. Oh, Oh, do you think the Manicron system is a Sith system? No, but if he's 100 years old. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway. The implication is that 3PO has a very long history. Yeah. And I like that because, like, the idea of the planned obsolescence of Western human society entering into the Star Wars universe kind of bugs me. I like when they're like, oh, yes, this ship is 10,000 years old and still works Mm, fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or this droid format is still 5,000 years old and works fine. Yeah. I like that. I like that, too. It's interesting that I think 3PO is really showing his age in this arc, because when Toto is trying to tempt him with the droid spa, Mm -hmm. he's like, don't you remember that old you that had just stepped off the factory line? And 3PO is like, that was a long time ago. Mm -hmm. Or or R2-D2 is like, yes. R2 is like, yes, sign me up. Debuff this carbon. That debuffing scene is so funny, because he's got like fembots massaging him and like it doesn't get more soothing than it is so much fun i love that scene i was extremely relaxed i got my own droid facial just by watching it's it's basically just a car wash Yeah. yeah i just love it so much i think it's great i honestly can't believe that anakin keeps his droids in such sad shape that they they like jump at the chance for a little you know, scrub down. Well, I mean, C-3PO didn't jump. And R2-D2, he might have been cleaned last week. He's just been in a crazy battle since then. Okay, okay, okay. That's a good point. The whole big picture of what's going on between the huts is really interesting. Yeah, I like when Voss and Kenobi show up on Nalhada. Mm-hmm. Voss is being pretty aggressive with the the head families of the hut yeah. council, and Kenobi's like, "Dude, step off. These are our allies." Mm-hmm. I had never heard anyone mention that the big mobster families of the Hut clan were like the Republic's allies. That's the plot of the Clone Wars movie. Remember? So. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So this is actually all a crazy callback to that. And so I think this is really important. This is. 
for me, the first time I've watched these particular episodes in this order, as well as watching The Clone Wars mm-hmm. and The Collector. And if you want to know what's going on with Zero the Hut, you have to watch it in this order because otherwise it's completely nonsensical. I kind of wish that we had picked up right after The Clone Wars movie with these episodes. That would have been really fun. It is unfortunate that all of the different threads have to kind of happen in a certain order. Mm. We have to be aware of Aura Singh. We have to know of the relationship between Cad Bane and and his droids as opposed to what's going on. Yeah, it doesn't it doesn't all make sense quite until you imagine a few things happening. Yeah, on that's a very good point. Mm-hmm. There was something really fun. Do you remember in the first Mandalore arc when we talked about how Satine is such a good foil for Obi-Wan? Yeah. Because you think you know Obi-Wan and then mm-hmm. you match Obi-Wan up with Satine and then suddenly he's like the sloppy, unprincipled one. Yeah. And then as soon as he <laughs> hangs out with Quinlan Voss, he's like the uptight one with a stick up his butt. I So there's a lot of really funny callback lines in this episode. Oh, yeah? One of them is Quinlan Voss. It's like, that's like your opinion, man. He says that. That's your opinion, he man. He literally Which says is what it. The dude says in the I Big Lebowski. Know. And that is who he is channeling. Quinlan Voss, unfortunately, does not have the entire uh canceled seventh season of Clone Wars be about him. Because in the books and the comic books, he has a really interesting relationship with. Asajj Ventress. Oh, really? They totally bang. <gasps> what? Yes. Was she a Sith already? We'll see. But oh, that's spicy. No, I mean, it's in the future. It's later after this point. Oh, that is very cool. Very spicy. Weird. So, Quinlan Voss was supposed to be a much more important character. There's books about him. I think he's a really, really cool Jedi because he shows the wild side of being a Jedi, which is so important. Yeah, Kenobi calls him crazy. Which, like, is really overdoing it. I think so, too. Like, he never even calls Anakin crazy. And what... Anakin is legit crazy. He is legit... He's... He's legit crazy. Yeah. But Voss kind of like is showy and flashy, but so is Kit Fisto, you know? Yeah. And he's really not. I mean, he, when Obi-Wan fights the dragon, when the Voss comes out, are you done? Messing he's like, around? are you done? We have like a mission. You know, we're we're going to go on this way. This is like your side quest, dude. And <laughs> I'm not really here for it. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's fun that Voss shows this kind of freewheeling spirit. I'm a little intrigued that he's a full Jedi Knight. I would have very much liked to see his Padawan master relationship. I'm Mm. curious who trained him. Yeah, that's a good point. Could be anyone. I don't know if he's human or not. He Hmm. might be a near human, you know, Hmm. because that that tattoo across his face might be something different. I mean, maybe he's like a Pantoran from a different... Yeah, could be. The only thing I could find about him without going too deep into things that I'm not supposed to be reading was that George Lucas saw him in the background of one of the original movies, I think, Mm -hmm. and was so fascinated by the character that he pulled him out and did a whole bunch of stuff with him. Mm -hmm. And now this is his first appearance in The Clone Wars. Yeah, he does have that aspect about him, but he is a really cool Jedi. I totally dig his stuff. Yes. Mm Mm-hmm. So can we talk about some stuff from my past? So for reference, although I grew up in a conveyor or a conveyor station on Vandor, 
Anna is from Nalhutta. Anna's from deep Louisiana Nalhutta vibes. I'm actually, I'm, I'm not from quite that far south. I did grow up in the southern United States. Mm-hmm. And I got major southern vibes from this entire, well, you know, end of this arc. Yeah, because Zero the Hut has a like straight up. He's got Lindsey Graham's accent. Yeah, he does. He sounds so, like he's from South Carolina. So Zero the Hut has a Southern accent. Cad Bane's Southern drawl really comes out in this episode. Ugh, it's hard to tell because he's got a real robotic. He's very metallic, voice. but he's got that like kind of Texan drawl to my ear. Well, and he calls, you know, how are you doing, little lady? Yeah, yeah. totally, yeah. totally. And he's got the hat and the twin blasters and the duster. Yeah, and then right. Mama the Hut, especially. Mm-hmm. So we open up on Mama the Hut in this swamp in the middle of Louisiana, is what it looks like, <laughs> like to literally me. Literally space airboats to get Literally there. space swamps. She says, I should have known when you finally came to visit, you'd show up at dinner time. <laughs> <laughs> Southern mamas are always guilting you for not visiting and then shaming you when you do. <laughs> I mean, this could not be more on point. I cannot explain to you if you are not from the South. Uh, I believe it. There's some very strong black coating, Mm -hmm. southern black coating. We've got this, like, overweight southern grandma. Well, so she's inspired by the over, like, like, extremely obese vampire from Blade. Yes. And, in fact, I believe voiced by the same actress. Oh, really? Interesting. Possibly. Yeah. Mama the Hut is voiced by a black woman, Mm -hmm. Angelique Perrin. Mm -hmm. Angelica Perrin. Yeah. She's got a great name. And I'm not sure how I feel about the treatment of Zero, who's coded kind of gay. Yeah. And Mama the Hut, who's coded kind of black. Mm-hmm. And Cy Snoodles, who's also kind of coded black. Kind of. She's got this interesting, it reminds me of Django Unchained. Okay. Like some of the black enslaved persons were all dressed up mm-hmm. in like these little French costumes yeah. so that Leonardo DiCaprio, the plantation owner, could kind of enjoy them in their in in that persona. Yeah, don't speak to French when he doesn't know French. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And yeah. that's the vibe I got from Size Noodles. Interesting. Well, hard to say with Size Noodles. She definitely was supposed to be. A very ridiculous, vampy 70s thing. Because she is from the original series. Yeah, totally. She, she spends the next 20 years in Jabba's Palace for all we know. She does. So, she does. She's canny. She's coquettish. Now, I think it's very funny the first time we meet Size Noodles because they're singing a song. And those of you who are familiar with George Lucas's other works might recognize the song, which is, well, it's in Hut. But it's Anything Goes, which is the song that What's-Her-Name sings in Indiana Jones and oh, the Temple Willie? of Doom. Yes. Oh, Willie is, and her cabaret girls. Is oh, wow. Okay, that's interesting. Because George Lucas also famously mm-hmm. directed Indiana but Jones. It is very funny because there's these like, you know, sexy Twi'leks and they're wearing weird hut Hut masks. masks yeah. Like, but which, bikinis. Yeah, hut masks and then Twi'lek bikinis. And they're like dancing and they're flowing. And then all of a sudden you see Size Noodle too. Uh, to to my human eyes, looks like a 
really weird creature. She's not very beautiful for our standards, but apparently Zero the Hut thinks that she's hot stuff. Which is also interesting because that is the type of relationship which shows Zero as a more interesting character. Yeah, we got some new angles on Zero. It was interesting. Mm -hmm. And also, so when she comes in and he's talking about how Jabba made him send her away in order for Zero to take over Coruscant. Yes, yes. So Sai and Zero had a thing. Mm -hmm. Zero got sent away. Or Sai got sent away. Sai got sent away. Sai got sent away. And then Zero never bothered to reconnect with her. So that says to me that the five families of the Huts were saying this is not an appropriate relationship. Could be. Could be. Yeah. And it's interesting in those initial scenes when Zero's behind bars and mm-hmm. Sai is kind of like doing her smooth operator thing mm-hmm. to get close to him, their love did seem forced, but I actually thought it was Zero who was faking it and not Sai. I yeah, and I think that speaks to something really interesting is that they're both faking it. Oh, uh, you think so? I think so. So when Sai kills Zero at mm-hmm. the on Teth at yeah. his dad's mummified corpse mausoleum Which his, thing. His last words. Oh, what a world. Yes, what a world. What That's a world. what the Wicked Witch of the West says when she dies. Yes. Which is really funny. Mm-hmm. But he when Sai whips out that blaster, he looks at her and he says But what about all the sunsets that we were going to watch and the retirement plans that we had? And I I kind of felt for him in that moment. Yeah, I did too, a little bit. And then I kept thinking about how weird it is that when huts die, you mummify them. It's more (laughs) insect-like than slug-like. It's like a cocoon with arms. It's like a weird spider (laughs) corpse. But yeah, yeah, that is... As a male, that is something which has spoken to me of like, sometimes a relationship arises or reconnects and you jump through some mental gymnastics to try to make it work. It's like getting back together with your ex under any circumstances. You're like, I'm going to just choose to forget about all the reasons they're my ex and just start moving on. Weird cognitive dissonance. Which is why Zero is thinking about the future so much, why he's future casting so hard. Yeah, I I appreciate that we got Cy Snoodles as a character. She deserves this. She deserves this mm-hmm. because she is using her feminine wiles mm-hmm. in a really interesting way. Yes. She's very smart. She's quite talented. Mm-hmm. And we get to see her kind of get her way, mm-hmm. which I think is fun. Like we get to see her be kind of powerful. Like, is she a good character? No. Is she a really fun to watch and really layered character? Yes. Yeah. And all the layers of the huts are really interesting. Even when we see, you know, the relationship in in all these with Padme and Anakin and Kenobi and Quinlan are definitely like the sideshow to Zero the Hut and Cad Bane. Zero knows how to fill up a room with his personality and it doesn't make him well liked. Also, his body is pretty big. Considering that he came from Mama the Hut, he's mm-hmm. actually pretty diminutive. Yeah, it 
you see a lot of differently sized huts in this. What I find weird is that Mama the Hut is Jabba's grandma. Yes. I keep forgetting that Zero is Jabba's uncle. Yes. And not his nephew. Yes. Because Jabba's so much bigger. And Zero does seem younger. Yeah. As a point of order here, Jabba's like a thousand years old. So how old is Zero? At least over a thousand years old. Wow. And so apparently uh, Mama the Hut, like recently was part of the Hut Council and then left during the events of the Clone Wars. Yeah, yeah, kind yeah. Of retired. And yeah, the the way the huts are set up, I did some research into this. There's not a lot that's canon. There's mm-hmm. a lot of legend stuff that basically eventually after some internal internecine warfare, the like a long, long time ago, the huts all got together and are like, look, we're just gonna have a formal mafia relationship yes it's a bunch of families their families their crime lords this is what we do we have subject species like the um nikto and the weekwe they have to work for us and we'll be profitable we'll do all right and that's what they did there's like here's what we're gonna do mm-hmm. we're gonna be very italian we're gonna have dancing <laughs> girls in bikinis we're going to have a DJ playing in our palace at all times, yeah, and we will and do very nefarious crimes. Mm-hmm. There's there's a really cool element of just that's the outer rim about it. And so Ooh, that's, yeah. what, that's what um, Zero says when he's finally exposed to the light after being let free. He's like, oh, the sun, why couldn't we have done this at night when it was cool? And then they start driving off, and they're like, we're taking you to the Senate building. And he's like... No, not the Senate. Take me to the Outer Rim, you stupid droid. Mm -hmm. And like the Outer Rim being where the huts have their power is really cool. Yeah, I really appreciate that it is canon and it was written into the Star Wars universe from the beginning that as massive as the galaxy is, Mm -hmm. you can have as all-powerful a government seat as you want in Coruscant. It's never going to reach to the outer corners of the universe. It is simply too massive. And that is what makes it a Western. Because the element of the frontier Mm. is where it becomes a Western again. It was funny in this arc that we kept sliding between mafia crime movie and Western. The yeah. the final boss battle with Bane and Voss and Kenobi was oh, all Western. So what I particularly love about that fight. So let me set the scene for you here. Daddy the Hut, Papa the Hut, who <laughs> I love his introduction because they, they meet him. And uh, sounds like um, Pizza Hut. I know. Pizza the Hut. Pizza Hut and Papa John's yeah. had a baby. So Papa the Hut <laughs> is sitting there and uh, Zero shows up and like presses the secret button. And we find Papa the Hut's body. And he's like, I never had the heart to t- tell Mama that he ran away. Oh, Or yeah. that he died. Yeah. Which is a really funny throwaway. Anyway. Cad Bane sidles behind a column and Quinlan Voss and Obi-Wan show up and they're like, he's already dead. Look around and Cad Bane shows up. He's like, well, it wasn't my handiwork in case you were wondering. I'd never be so sloppy with a kill. And then Cad Bane puts out a feeler and he says, well, I didn't kill him and uh, I don't see any reason to be around here anymore. So later... And Kenobi says, no, 
you're still wanted. And Cad Bane says, well, now that you mention it, there is a price on Jedi. They're worth a million at pop to the Separatists. Cad Bane was willing to step down. He did not want to get into that fight. Yeah, because he's a buttered noodle. What do you mean? Because he's, he's a noodle. slippery buttered noodle. Because he doesn't want to fight two full no grown Jedi to fight two full grown Yeah, exactly. So why didn't he get out of there? Count Dooku want, doesn't want to fight. He's Count Dooku has gotten twice into fights with two Jedi, and he's like, peace. Yeah. So, so why did Cad Bane hang out? I thought that was the biggest plot hole of the episode. Well. Because, you know, it's not like he could run away, even with rocket boots. And he thought he could take him. He probably could have he if did one a of them wasn't Kenobi. He did a great job. It's a very, very cool fight with lots of, like, the weapons. They're all swapping weapons back and forth. Mm-hmm. And Toto tries to get a, a lightsaber kill by rocket booting. I just love the planet of Teth, how it's mm-hmm. pink and cliff and cloud and jungle and mm-hmm. aerial. I'm stealing it for a D&D campaign. Oh, fun. Mm -hmm. It was also very fun to get that visual callback to the Clone Wars movie, which is kind of where we were introduced to Zero the Hut the first place. Yes, yes. And that is where, if you'll imagine, so when we talked about the Clone Wars, I talked about how watching those walkers climb up a like perfectly steep cliff and they're like climbing up it to Mm -hmm, go mm -hmm. rescue baby the hut Mm -hmm. compared to now having like a sword fight with a dude with rocket boots and Mm -hmm. flamethrowers on top of these like cliffs that are surrounded by bottomless fog as one of them's trying to escape to a spaceship that is the element of star wars Mm -hmm. that is the outer rim I think we also got to see how the Clone Wars has evolved since season one. Mm -hmm. So it was very jarring to go back to season one in the middle of this arc for Hostage Crisis. Yes. Because I said to Sam pretty recently, "Ah, I don't know why people are always saying that season one of the Clone Wars like doesn't look good or looks janky. I think it's really beautiful. Mm -hmm. But we've been moving through the Clone Wars so slowly that I kind of got used to the season three very smooth, very beautiful, mm-hmm. fluid animation. And as soon as we got jerked back to season one, everyone kind of looks like puppets. They the movement do. is not great. This is something that comes up for me because I'm I'm watching ahead to mm-hmm. make sure that our arcs are correct and everything. And occasionally I'll pop into like season six and be like, Ooh. oh, okay, this is fun. And I go back and I watch season one and I'm like, oh boy. I will always think that Ambush, which is the first episode of The Cloners, I will always think it is exceptionally beautiful. Yeah. But you can really tell it was a lot more simplistic back then in 2008. Yeah. Yeah, that means just rendering power and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I I really, I actually enjoyed these. Although if you're going to watch these three, I, you got to watch them all in one sitting because the third one is the one that sells it. Yeah, the droid makeover scene definitely sells the first episode. It is funny. The hostage crisis is fine, whatever. It does show Cad Bane being pretty scary. Which is important, but I like his introduction in the uh, chronological Yeah, I agree. Mm -hmm. But really, I think the third episode, Hunt for Zero, is the best one of the arc. And I honestly had forgotten that Zero had died. Oh, interesting. So, like, his death, obviously not terrifically important, but it's uh, kind of jarring to imagine that this, like, recurring quasi-villain 
You know, because villains don't really die in Star Wars. Yeah, because you might want to use them again. Like Martuk just was supposed to die, but they're mm-hmm. like, hey, this is a great villain. Or a Singh blown up in a spaceship, put in jail, still shooting. Yeah. So like it keeps it keeps going and going. But having someone get shot and then have Cad Bane be like, yep, that's dead. And, you know, Kenobi be like, yep, they're dead. They're dead. And that doesn't happen that often. I think it's easier to do in a kid's show when they're a hut and you're like, this blanket is dead. (laughs) This pile of blankets. I will say this is definitely the sexiest Clone Wars episode we've seen so far. A lot of making out, kind of a lot of debauchery, sexualized Twi'leks in their bikinis Mm -hmm. because Twi'leks are sexualized always. Mm -hmm. Death, betrayal. Like spurned lovers. Yeah. I mean, man, that's a lot for one 22 minute episode of a kid show. Yeah. Quote unquote kid show. It's got the wonderful elements of flipping the script. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's why I think Size Noodles is such a great character because she totally flips the script. And so next time you, we play Outer Rim, you're going to take I'm card. no longer surprised that the Size Noodles card in the board game Outer Rim is as powerful as it is or as expensive as it is because <laughs> that totally fits. But she's just supposed to be this airheaded bimbo who you trot out as entertainment for everybody and you mm-hmm. don't need or want for her to have complex feelings or wants or needs or desires. And she has all of those Mm -hmm. and she has agency. So you've talked before about how you want a backstory of like everyone from the cantina scene. Oh my God. I totally want the size noodles backstory. Size noodles, a Star Wars story. Yeah. This is like one of those examples. I mean, this is really all the backstory size noodles really needs, honestly, but yeah, but I love this kind of episode. Oh, yeah. I love this kind of episode where you take one crazy background character and all of a sudden there's a whole thing about them. It's fun. It was a weird one. Mm. Like I said, it was a fever dream. I put my headphones (laughs) down and was like, what did I just watch? Uh, I I was sitting here... Looking at the other direction from one of the, you know, compartment chairs in our luxury conveyor and she's like, what the heck? What the heck? I was like, oh, my God, the drama, the betrayal, mm-hmm. spurned lovers, ah, death, <laughs> a boss battle. It yeah. was crazy fun. Big picture. Eh. Probably skippable. But you know what? It weaves some really fun new threads into the tapestry. And I love that. And if you like Quinlan Voss, um, I'm going to try to track down his books or comic books because that story, I had forgotten how much I enjoy that character. Mm, He's mm-hmm. cool. Yeah. Because of playing Jedi Fallen Order, where you play as a Jedi and one of his force powers, because this all feeds into the Sam Nelson Unified Theory of how Jedi get their force powers. They get like one or two. And he has that tracking ability. And I think that's, I mean, it's really cool to tell a story with mm-hmm. the moment of being able to touch something and see the past through that thing. It's a really cool inversion because we just finished off Assassin and Sphere of Influence when we see that's Ahsoka's prophecy. very powerful mm-hmm. prophecy, mm-hmm. premonition, vision power. It's cool to see someone be able to go backwards in time. Yeah. And it. It shows how important in the Western genre or in a genre where there's a frontier 
how important tracking is, particularly mm-hmm. because the Star Wars technology level is all over the place. Kind of. It's as if uh, once you make a computer like a quarter as smart as we can make computers today in 2021, that it gains intelligence and you have to give it the vote. Mm. So like um, having tracking and following something be a really important skill is really intriguing. And it makes it seem like he's Tarzan. That's the vibe. Which is really fun. That's the vibe. So I want to know, out of all the characters in this arc, who is the most important? Who is your bay? Are you saying it's time for Baywatch? It's time for Baywatch. 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 This is the first episode that I forgot to think of a bay. That's all right. I will give you one second. All right, go. Okay, that was one second. I actually, I have a dark horse bay. Okay, who's your who's your dark horse bay? Oh, hang on. Let me think about the implications of this. Don't think. Just do. Okay, my head said pad bay. My heart said size noodles. <laughs> Okay, here's why. And I'll, I'll pay, uh, let me lay out my arguments and then I will see which one is more convincing. Okay. Pad Bay is exceptionally committed to her job in Evil Plans. She is working on some really important stuff. She's trying to prevent space NSA from overtaking all of our private lives. She's- and then she becomes a hostage. She becomes a hostage, but she's like working over time. She's, you know, why are you giving me that expression? I feel like she's a set piece. Uh, so this is why my heart says size noodles, because Pad Bay, you know, could have just whipped out that lightsaber and fixed everything without, you know, making a meal out of it. I mean, I feel like Chuchi could have done the role of Pad Bay in this arc. Like, sitting there and holding someone's lightsaber. I I don't know. Padme didn't do it for me this arc. Okay. Well, clearly she didn't either for me because I'm picking size noodles. Who did it? Who did it? Who did the dang thing? Like, I love female characters with agency. And yes. it doesn't even matter to me all the time that they are, quote unquote, morally good characters. I like to see people living their dreams. I like to see women who've got a point of view and who are like just living their best lives. I mean, Sice Noodles got it all. She showed up, she fights three Gamorreans, and she, you know, she uses her wiles instead of her, you know, wits or biceps. Yeah, or biceps, her her twig biceps. (laughs) But, But she got the job done. And then she's like, Okay, I'm going to take my spurned lover. I'm going to take him out. I'm going to get his thing that is worth a bajillion dollars. I'm going to kill him. And here's the thing. Nobody's ever going to know. She yeeted out of existence, got paid. Uh huh. And then what's she going to do? She's like, now I'm going to follow my singing career. Yes. And I'm going to post up at Jabba the Hutt's palace for the next 20 years. And man. Talk about following your dreams. I know. Okay. Okay. I'm glad we talked this through. Size Noodles is the clear winner. Size Noodles is. She is an icon. She is a legend. Mm -hmm. I am deeply impressed. I can only aspire to be so much. 
Well, you know, congratulations, Sai, you earned it. You too can twigify your arms and legs. You too can become a part-time bounty hunter, full-time cabaret singer. <laughs> yeah, it's um oh when you say that, it's like that singer from World War II who was the spy. Oh, who was that? Uh her name is escaping me. We'll put it in some show notes. That's cool, that's cool. Later. That's very cool. Um, Who's your bay? Mm, you know, I've been thinking, I've been thinking, I've been thinking, and I'm going to do it again. I'm going to be an antagonist apologist and call out Cad Bane. Cad Bane, really? Okay, he's lay it so on me. cool. You just he's think he's so cool because cool. you have the same fedora that he has now. I got, as a life day present, a cool Cad Bane hat. It's really fun. But yes, okay. He negotiates like a boss. Mm. He shows up at the end of the first episode. He shows up and Jabba's like, well, I have another job for you. And he's like, that's wonderful. That's great. Uh, I'll need an advance as we negotiate. And he's Jabba- like, I will be charging everything. Yes. I will be charging you five billion credits yes. simply to sit here and listen to you. And then when he comes across Zero's cell, the huts are like, rabble, rabble, rabble. He's like, ah, yeah, well, I, you know, I hate being paid for a job over and over again, too. But here we go. <laughs> here we go. Let's do this. And then the moment that did it for me was when Kenobi and Quinlan show up. And, you know, I really feel like I'm... I. I would have given it to Quinlan, but I don't think he rises to the level of Bay at this scale. He doesn't get as much. That's unfortunate because this is the only time we see him. But, yeah. Uh, But Cad Bane is like, are you guys going to be cool? (laughs) Because unless you're cool about a whole bunch of things, it's going to be I'm prepared to be very uncool. And then they're like, and you know that Quinlan would be like, I'm cool. And he's like, Anakin, it was there. Anakin would be like, Anakin would have had okay, a lightsaber up against his yeah. jugular in 0.2 milliseconds. Although I think if if Anakin was there, Cad Bane probably would have shot first, asked questions later. That is probably yes, yes, yes. But he was probably like, "I've heard stories about you, Kenobi. I know you've been cool with Hondo. Are you willing to be cool with me?" And Kenobi's like, "I have to be uptight because Quinlan is here." He's like, okay, I guess we'll dance. Here's a fun thing. I hated Hostage Crisis the first time I watched it because Cad Bane was so scary to me. over the top scary. The laser grid? I mean, just like with a parting giggle, he's like, here's an explosive laser grid. I will kill you at my leisure. I'd also like to point point out, here is what the escape scene at the end of Hostage Crisis looks like. They have their double wide hover trailer, which was used to haul Orm Free Top, but is now hauling Zero the Hut. Equitable, comparable. Mm-hmm. They have the remaining, I, I imagine, I think they left those clone commando droids behind because that's hilarious. Or sorry, not clone commando, droid commando droids. And so like the Weequay and the IG units are in the truck. And Cad Bane climbs on top of the speeder car. And those of you who know Coruscant as well as we do know that when you look down off the side of your car, it's like 15 miles to the ground. And he just jumps and surfs this car through traffic. I don't even do that when I could fall into something nice like snow. And he's just (laughs) riding it along and then decides to blow them up. Cad Bane is living on the edge. 
Cad Bane is a super scary dude who is super influential and deserves the nod. So here's the thing. This makes us both antagonist apologists because I picked Sahai and you picked Cad Bane. Is she an antagonist or is she just a woman trying to make her way in the galaxy? She's a woman trying to make her way in the galaxy and she is doing a stand-up job. Whereas Cad Bane, when he goes to, uh, and this is a great scene, he uh, shows up in Jabba's palace and Jabba's like, all right, I got to negotiate with the other huts. And they start talking. And he's, he says, all right, droid, I need you to translate for me. My ancient hut's a little rusty. And then they're talking, they're talking. And the droid's like, they're asking who would do such a dangerous job. He walks through their hologram. He's like, hello, my name is Cad Bane. I am prepared to do this very dangerous job. I'll take on any job. Hat on for the right price. Oh, Yeah. Oh, yeah. Cad Bane is the biggest D energy since big D energy Count Dooku. <laughs> yeah, he's a. Uh, he is who gives bounty hunters that particularly disreputable, disreputable reputation. Hmm. But he's a cool dude. He took on two Jedis and lived to tell the tale. He did a great job. Yeah. Good job, Cad Bane. Anyway, that's my that's my bay. That that puts me up at uh, at least three antagonists. At least, so, at yeah. least. Well, we can't all be perfect. <laughs> I was told on this trip that I have a strong moral compass. So maybe they're not the bad guys. Maybe you're the bad guy. Maybe we're all the bad guys. Maybe I'm the only good guy. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Anakin. <laughs> All right, coming down the pipeline on Growing Up Skywalker, we've got the Funding the War arc. Yeah, so this is a little bit more uh, Padme in the Halls of Power, but... Oh, that's fun. Like, yeah, it's it's fun. It's, it's a little bit more peaceful. We're continuing right after the final episode, which was season three, episode nine. Mm-hmm. We're now doing episodes 10 and 11, Heroes on Both Sides and Pursuit of Peace. I really like these ones that are coming up. There's uh, there's some really cool stuff that is, you know, as poignant today as it's ever been. That's really exciting. And importantly, for those of you who don't follow us on social, which is at Growing Up Skywalker, at Growing Up Skywa, at wherever, we released a special gift. Yes, a Sithmas Day gift. Of... A Merry Sithmas gift. <laughs> So check that out on Patreon. It is our Bang Mary Kill Antagonist Edition. And if you have any Bang Mary Kill candidates, we will give them the rundown or we'll have you on. And we're we'll... banging, we're marrying, we're murdering. Some of us are mango, some of us are bango. So... <laughs> some of us are mangoing Django. <laughs> <laughs> I'll see you next Tuesday. See you next Tuesday. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.